Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. The story of the week is Searching for Susie Thunder by Claire L. Evans in The Verge in partnership with Epic Magazine. In 1984, I was 13 and I was a holy terror. Not at home or at school or on the street, but on my computer. I'd sit in my living room, turn on my Apple IIe and fire up my modem. And then I'd log onto bulletin boards where I was known only as the rap king. I'd interrupt whatever tech conversations the adult nerds were having by insulting them in these rhymed verses, like some kind of punk Alexander Pope. I'd write things like, you think you're badass with your Hayes 1200 bod? I bet your mom does it with a neutral evil bard. I got kicked off all the time, which thrilled me. It felt like the first kind of danger that was constructed for people like me but it was actually built for people like Susie Thunder. Writing is hard. Who's got that kind of time when you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein? So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob, calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job. Auditory single story just listen to smart people speak conversation filled with information it's the story of the week claire evans wrote this amazing story about susan headley who was a legendary hacker in the 80s who went by the name susie thunder and her story had never been told until now. I 
loved this story. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Susie Thunder just completely disappeared. Like for a person who was so online in the 1980s, you cannot find her anywhere online. How'd you wind up tracking her down? I mean, it was it was the height of the pandemic. I mean, I spent I spent like most of a year trying to find her and I probably would have given up 15 times if I hadn't been locked at home, basically, with very little else to pursue. And I think probably part of the reason she chose to talk to me is because she was in a similar position where she was, like all of us at that time, a little bit introspective, a little bit stuck and willing to talk about things that maybe wouldn't normally talk about. I also think I kind of made the case to her that I would be fair she was sexually abused by her stepfather and left home at age 14. Uh, and then, then she moves to Hollywood where she becomes a groupie. And this is at the heart of the 1970s, which seems sort of glamorous, but a little sad in the movie Almost Famous. But in real life, I imagine it's far darker. We look at it now and it's like, it's horrifying because what we're talking about is adult men and 14, 13-year-old girls. But it was really common then and she was part of a whole scene of these like underage groupies that were kind of the queens of the strip because they were the most desirable and they could get into any club. And, you know, there's definitely some dark stuff there. For her, it's a moment of freedom and empowerment. But I think, you know, looking at it now, it's a bit like, ooh. But I think that part of her life was re was really, really formative to her because it taught kind of taught her how to be a hacker, frankly. I mean, she worked as a telephone operator at an answering service, which, like, in the days before physical answering machines, when people were going to go out for dinner or leave town for a weekend. They would contact this answering service and the answering service would take their messages and like pass their messages on to where they were staying. So if you worked at the answering service, you would know where everybody was. You would know exactly how to reach them and where to be and like what they needed or wanted at any specific moment. So she used all of that information. Like she essentially cased the entire scene and used it to get what she wanted, which was to get close to to get close to people who she wanted to get close to and to get access to places that nobody else could get access to, which is basically what hacking is all about. Is this where she picked up her nickname, Susie Thunder? No, her grandmother gave her that nickname, but she used it from, from the age of about 14. It was her groupie name. Actually, she had a groupie friend named uh, Elaine Lightning. No. And they, they, they would like gather around town as Thunder and Lightning, yeah. That's straight out of Happy Days. Thunder and Lightning was, I mean, that's that's another story of its own, I'm sure. It could be developed into a TV show or something. But, you know, the thing with, which that Susie told me was that Elaine Lightning was had a great body but wasn't, wasn't too smart. And Susie was the one that could get them anywhere. And with the two of them together, they could really get anywhere because they had, like, the killer combo of brains and beauty. She is the brains and she is the body. <laughs> Thunder and Lightning. Um, I know. Oh, my God. We should we pitch that right to... Um... Stars, the Stars Network will be all over this. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of great stories from those from those groupie years. That I mean, this it's like lost to the mist of time. But she had her own fan club. Like she was a well known groupie <gasps> Wait, on the scene. Groupies had fan clubs. Yeah, because they were famous. They were like you know they were not as famous as the rock stars, but they were known because they would follow the bands and they would be the ones who would know where the bands were and they had access to you know the bands. If you wanted to get close to a rock star, it was much easier to get at them through the groupies than it was to get at them through the label or through some institution. Like the groupies could kind of move back and forth through different social milieus and be the intermediaries. So she's 14, but she's she's very tall, right? She's like six, six two, six three. Yeah, she's awkwardly tall. Awkwardly tall, um, long blonde hair. Very, very much like what you picture a teen groupie looking like. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, hot pants, gold lame, you name it, the whole nine. She claimed to have slept with all four Beatles, I believe? Yes. Yeah, she claims that. Obviously, I can't verify that, but I don't know. I think it's it's believable. What percentage of the stuff she told you do you not believe? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of things... Everything is, she's, I don't, I really don't know. It's, I mean, it's crazy to say this because it's a reported piece. It's thoroughly fact-checked, obviously. I mean, everything in the piece that as it, as it ran is true as far as I know, but there are certain things where it's, it just sounds so incredible. Like she, she told me that she broke into Area 51, which if you don't know, is a very, very, very protected uh, military base in the desert. I believe that she knows how to do a lot of things and has probably done most of those things. Susie wound up having some struggles with addiction. And in order to get herself out, she left the groupie life. And then she found a new subculture, a smaller, more obscure, and weirder one, computer hackers. Back then, in order to hack, you wound up having to make these weird noises with whistles or your mouth into a push-button phone in order to like make that AOL dial-up sound that would trick a phone into thinking that you were a computer and then you could break into anywhere. The people who did this were called freakers, which is spelled with a PH, as in phone. In the late 60s, early 70s, Los Angeles was really like the center of the universe of telephone culture, which is something that's a bit lost to us now, but there was hundreds of these um, conference lines and chat lines and joke lines. Like For a while in the late 70s, the most dialed private telephone number in the world was an answering machine on the floor of a shoe closet in West Los Angeles that just played recordings of jokes when you called. It was called the Z-Line. And now, here's the Z thought of the week. Remember, a healthy home is a happy home. So send your home to the doctor twice a year. Why would Susie be any good at this? She's not a nerd. Her life is hanging out with rock stars. Susan kind of existed between the kind of phone culture, teenage kicks scene and the hardcore freaker scene because she was, you know, had already kind of developed these hacker skills as a groupie. She became really uh, useful to people in that technical side because she knew how to manipulate the human side of the system, the human points of the system. She was really good at she was really good at pretending to be someone she wasn't and getting information out of people. And that became a really valuable skill if you were trying to understand how the phone system worked. And she started running with a bunch of people in LA who were, you know, who became some of the like most famous hackers of the 90s. So she bands together with these two other freakers, these guys, Louis DePayne and Kevin Mitnick. What were some of the hacks that they pulled off? I do know that they would do stuff like you know, try to shut down an entire area code or try to send all of the 311 calls in the LA area into a loop so that whenever you called 311, it would just call 311 and call 311 again and, and you would never be able to get through. You know, stuff where it's like, how can we use what we've learned about this telephone network through all kinds of different methods, like dumpster diving at phone company offices? I love that. They would get stuff that people wouldn't think to shred, like inter-office memos about Julian accounting. They could call and pretend to be Julian accounting, and that would be true, that there would be a Julian accounting. Stuff like that, you know? Or they would get manuals for just how to use 
company systems. I mean, they didn't, they would get things that people weren't, didn't realize were important and try to figure out even just like one little shred of internal lingo um, could be really useful to them. This was at the phone companies, basically. Yeah, the phone companies. They would go, they called it garbology, and they would go to the dumpsters outside of the phone companies late at night and steal whatever they could and then use all that information to get more information about how the phone companies worked. It's pretty amazing. I mean, Susie would, Susie had her own ways of doing it. She liked to sort of dress like she was homeless, essentially, and bring a big trash bag of cans with her so that if she was questioned, it would just look like she was a homeless person looking for cans and not, you know, a hacker looking for inside information. So Susie's hanging out with these guys, uh, Lewis and Kevin, all the time, and she actually starts dating Lewis. But she has this secret life that they don't even know about. She's a dominatrix in this place in mm-hmm. the valley. Yeah, a place called the Leather Castle. Sounds nice. In Van Nuys. Oh, it's a castle. <laughs> and she made good money. And for her, that was great because then she could buy all this cool hacker gear that she wanted to buy. Like she could buy all these manuals and, um, you know, modems <laughs> and, and set up a little hacker den for herself and do her little, she had her own conference phone line that she ran and. She was living the dream for her because she would she would just work nights and then she would work nights and then she would just hang out on her phone conferences all day and and do hacking. Eventually, Susie and Lewis break up, and breakups are always destructive, but they're a lot worse when it happens in a group of people who love to destroy things. And now they were going to destroy each other. But before we get to that, our sponsors are going to sell you your own high tech spyware, because honestly, all technology now spies on you. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before Nerd Wallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. 
This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. When you make a hacker mad, they're going to hack you. Lewis and Kevin used a pre-internet trick on Susie. They trailed her car, which led them to her workplace, the Leather Castle. Lewis and Kevin have figured out that Susie works as a dominatrix at the Leather Castle. And then what do they do with that information? They found the phone number for the Leather Castle where she worked, and allegedly her voice was on the answering machine of the Leather Castle, um, listing the various services that were provided by the Leather Castle and, and prices. And they got a huge kick out of that and they tape recorded it. And then they used this against her on the bulletin boards where they all hung out, which were like uh, the original chat rooms. And then they essentially disseminated that recording across the entire phone freaker underground where they basically said, you know, hey, call this number and we'll play you this recording. And if you want more information about, you know, how this woman is a, is a lying, you know, whatever, um, contact me and I'll send you scans of groupie magazines that prove that she's she was a groupie and, and that she's, you know, that she got around town. And I'm essentially trying to try to shame her for her past. How ugly does it get between them on these bulletin boards? If you go, there's a really amazing archive of the direct language that was used in this particular flame war. And it was really extensive and really quite violent and so all-encompassing that all the other hackers on the board are like, please stop. Like, we don't care anymore. We don't want to take sides. My favorite horrible thing that they wrote about her on these bulletin boards was, you report in all caps, she was unsuccessful at getting Donny Osmond to lay her. <laughs> Yeah. 
Which she met Donny Osmond when she was like 12. So Also, I've met Donny Osmond. He is he is a pretty straight ahead Mormon scary dude. Like <laughs> that that that's not he's not an easy target. Yeah. Um no, they were really mean about it. And it gets violent. Like Lewis is threatening her. He says, Keep it up, you'll be eating molars and incisors for lunch. Your own. <laughs> Specifically your own. <laughs> it's an even creepier threat without the your own. <laughs> it's creepy either way. Feed her other people's teeth. I, I don't know how much of that stuff is like just grandiloquent, like teenage you know, know. exaggeration. I mean, even Susan kind of downplayed some of that language because it was just kind of the like the sort of bellicose, a lot of fronting. There's a lot of fronting in this scene. And then at some point she gets so annoyed with this that she goes to the FBI and turns both of them in for hacking. Yeah, she basically, I mean, she, he had been so abusive to her and the situation had become untenable and she decided that she was sick of it and she had enough evidence to, you know, maybe get him in real trouble with the police and she sent it to the feds and eventually testified against them. This seems like tattling on someone is should be against the uh, the freaker code or something, but it's not, right? There's no honor amongst freakers. I guess not, at least not among these freakers. Don't like that. So this case was one of the very first cyber crimes ever prosecuted in California, and it put Susie in the spotlight. There's this uh, amazing 2020 segment with a fully molded Geraldo Rivera interviewing her. Here in Los Angeles, one computer gang actually got a hold of enough information and know-how to shut down the entire phone system for the greater Los Angeles area. What's the motive, the motivation? I wanted to see what could really be done. I was getting off on the power trip, too. It's amazing. There's scenes where he's like standing in front of a dumpster saying like, these these electronic delinquents are going through our trash and they're going to, you know, shut down phone service for the entire city of Los Angeles. And they would have gotten away with it if not for this this woman, you know. Um, and she's amazing in the interview because she's just got this kind of like beatific calm about her. So what have you just done? And I looked through a network. This is a list of all the computers on this particular network. Susie looked nothing like a hacker and totally what everyone thought Los Angeles looked like at the time. She was tall and skinny with blonde hair and blue eyes and this disaffected manner. And she's talking about, you know, stuff which I think to a mainstream audience at that time was probably really mind-blowing, which is that, you know, teenagers could cause really significant chaos just by messing around with the phones and they could do all kinds of things. And what does she look like in the 2020 piece? Amazing. She's She's got like peroxide blonde hair. She's wearing like these star earrings and I think like purple eyeshadow. And wow. she's like sitting on, she's got this um, Snoopy telephone handset that she's using. Yeah, to, I own that Snoopy phone as a teenager. Classic phone. Great phone. It was super cool. She's like showing Geraldo how to hack using a Snoopy phone handset. It's amazing. Is there any system that can't be gotten into? I live by an old saying, if there's a will, there's a way. There is always a way. Like many hackers, Susie got a job as a white hat, consulting for companies about how to protect themselves from people like her. She testified at the U.S. Senate about the dangers of electronic intrusion in 1983. But she wasn't fully white hat. Like any heist movie, Susie had one last big crime she wanted to pull off. Some people requested not to be in the phone book, and the phone book company kept a list of those people. It was called the non-publist. 
and it was full of celebrities. Everyone wanted that list, especially Susie. This was kind of like the apotheosis of all of her interests in a way because it was hacking. It was, it was also celebrity and it was also phones. It was a lot of things. This is like the most treasured non-publist in the world, the Los Angeles non-publist. It's got obviously the most celebrities and they kept it on microfiche, a phone company's building in East LA. How did she get it? She cased the joint for many months. She dug through the dumpsters at night trying to find any cast off microfiche, but she never was able to find any. She knew she had to get into the physical building and after all of her prep work, she actually just walked into it late at night and told the um, cleaning staff that she worked there and that she needed to get some copies. And she found the she found the file cabinet they were stored in. She found the non-pub and she, and she took it. Yeah, in your story, she comes home, feels incredibly guilty, is sorry for what she did, but then sells it for a lot of money to a tabloid. She needed the money. You would assume that Susie would go on to a successful career in computer security. Uh, That's what happened to her former freaker buddies, Lewis and Kevin, and all these kind of guys. Like, what did Susie go and do? She did a lot of other things after all of this that don't seem to add up and yet somehow do. Like, she was a professional poker player for some years in Vegas. She was the city clerk of California City for a while. Um, what does was, that mean, city I mean, one clerk of, the, of California City? Well, it's an elected position in the city of California City. None of those words seem right. There's a there's a <laughs> there's a city called California City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a city called California City. It's sort of um, it's out in the desert. It's where her mom lived, I think, for a while. But she was very involved in the coin collecting world. She was actually the editor in chief of like the About dot com dot coins in the nineties. How is she not involved in crypto? I don't know. I don't know. I think she's not very computer anymore, frankly. I think she kind of checked out from the tech world after the 80s. She's very much like a landline gal. What do you think her place in hacker history is? Oh, I think it's really important. Historically speaking, in tech, people who are interested in people are marginalized and undervalued. But like at the end of the day, if you want to like do a hack, you absolutely cannot do it without manipulating some human element because the way that systems work is, you know, like people are actually much easier to crack than passwords, especially with encryption now. So if you want to gain access to a system, it's best to do it through the person that has access to that system. That's what hacking is. It's really like a human game. And I think Susie is sort of emblematic of that craft. She was doing it decades before modern day hackers were doing it. Um, She did it very well and she wasn't taken seriously because she was a woman and because she was a sex worker and because she was, um, you know, perceived as not being technical or not understanding the systems. But she was absolutely like a force to be reckoned with. And what did she think of it? I was so scared that she wouldn't like the piece, but she did. I got a really sweet email from her like, you know, the day after it dropped, basically like she's really grateful that Mostly she's really grateful that I, that I took the time to like, to do it right, you know? But I think ultimately for her, it's, you know, all of her contemporaries got to have their moment in the sun. They, they got to work high profile security jobs. There's all these people that she ran with who I think she was just as good as, you know, in terms of doing what they did, that just got to be heroes. So I think for her just getting to be, you know, remembered 
in the same kind of light to be to be like a complex character <laughs> like they got to be and to like be fully por- to be fully portrayed um with all of her past and all of her baggage and all of her motivations and all of it i think that was like more important to her than any anything else and she got that claire l evans story searching for susie thunder is in the verge she's also the author of the book broadband the untold story of the women who made the internet Claire, it was so cool to meet you. I'm a fan. Sad, because we're not talking anymore. So thanks for doing this. Oh, well, don't be a stranger. I'm around. I never got to be a hacker or a groupie or the city clerk of California City, California. I don't think I would have liked any of that. But I'm jealous of being the kind of person who would want those things. But that's why I like reading these stories. Because when they're written this well, I get to see what it's like to be Susie Thunder. And it seems exciting as hell. And definitely not for me. I'm more of an Elaine Lightning type. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show today was produced by Lydia Jean Cott, Kate McAuliffe, and Nisha Benkut. It was edited by Robert Smith. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. And our theme song was written and performed by Jonathan Colton. And a special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. You're in cool places. You're like... Susie Thunder. I'll never run into you anywhere. You live in L.A. I live in L.A. But you do cool L.A., I, I, right? I don't know. What's cool L.A.? I don't even know. That's the thing. That's how I, little I know about cool L.A. Coming up on Story of the Week. The story is about these two chess players, Magnus Carlsen and Hans Niemann. There's a rumor that spreads. Uh, I think it starts as a yeah. joke, like all good conspiracy theories do, that Hans Niemann was getting this information about where to move through vibrations in anal beads. This is a big rumor that a lot of people are talking about. Like I hear it on Joe Rogan. It was kind of everywhere, right? It was everywhere. And Elon Musk tweeted oh, it. Right. So that might explain three times part of the, part of the, the everywhereness. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at T-Mobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. 
NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. 